Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel of Luke, chapter 22, starting with verse 1. Let us listen for and hear God's holy word. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But their words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May your good news come, O Lord, not only in the word spoken, but in and through the power of your Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Amen. It was deep dawn that first Easter morning. Not early dawn, as the New Revised Standard Version of the text calls it, the translation we just read. Not early dawn. Because that's not exactly what the word means in Greek. What it really means is deep dawn. Deep dawn. The hour when you can't figure out if it's really getting light or if your eyes have just become so accustomed to the darkness. Deep dawn, when it's so cold and still that the beat of your own heart sounds like the beating of a drum. Deep dawn, when you wake from deep sleep and wonder if it all just really happened or if it was just a bad dream. Deep, deep dawn. Luke tells us that it's deep dawn when the women get to the tomb. Every gospel is a little different because each of the writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they each have their own version of what happened on that first Easter morning, each one a little different from the others. Matthew says that there was an earthquake, but no one else says anything about it. Some gospels, like Luke, include announcements from angels. John talks about the grave clothes that no one else seems to mention. They're all slightly different. But there's one thing that every gospel resurrection story has in common. No one saw it coming. No one saw it coming. Nobody. No one expected the resurrection. Even though Jesus predict, predicted his death and his resurrection many, many, many times over the course of his ministry, and when Jesus was nailed to the cross and breathed his last, 
No one said, hey, wait a second. Wait till you see what happens next. No one says, just wait. This is going to get good. And when that first Easter morning rolled around, no one said, praise God or hallelujah or he is risen indeed. Nobody said, I told you so. Because nobody saw it coming. Reading this passage from Luke this week, I noticed something that I'd never picked up on before. I think the first post-resurrection sermon is actually delivered by these women when they return from the empty tomb. They simply report the good news about what they've heard. He's not here. He's risen. But what's interesting to me is where they go to deliver this news. They don't go to the street corner and start shouting. They, don't, they go back to the community of their closest friends. They go back to the people who are in the best position to know and to believe. Because they've lived with Jesus, they've walked with him. They've heard the prophecy. In three days, I will rise again, he said. They go to the people who've been praying for this, who've been praying for Jesus not to be dead. They come back and report, we've seen angels who told us that he is risen. And what do the disciples say? They say that these things seem to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. I'm going to let you in on something about this verse that I bet a lot of preachers aren't going to be mentioning from their pulpits on Easter morning. Like the difference between early dawn and deep dawn in this story, the phrase idle tale is not exactly the most accurate English translation from the Greek. The word idle tale is leros in Greek. And this is the only place it appears in the entire Bible. This one time, this is it. And it's a euphemism. And the reason it's not translated exactly is because the literal meaning involves some words that, frankly, I just can't say during church, especially on Easter morning. The word means something like garbage or drivel or nonsense, but something a lot stronger. It means what a bull deposits in a field. <laughs> BS is what it means. The women go to the people who are in the very best position to understand, the most likely to believe their story, and those people say, yeah, right, that sounds like a whole lot of bull. But history has proven these skeptical disciples aren't unique in their responses. I can't tell you how much ink has been spilled trying to prove what exactly happened that first Easter morning. There are probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pages written on this one event. There are even, there's even one book entitled Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Joshua, Josh McDowell that's 880 pages of outline attempting to, pro to provide indisputable historical evidence that proves that Jesus was the Son of God and that he was raised from the dead. It lays out its case with archaeological discoveries, manuscripts of biblical texts, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies, the miracle of the resurrection. 880 pages. But Jesus' closest friends, the ones 
who lived and walked and worked with him for three years, the ones who were praying that he would come back, even they could not believe it. Wouldn't it be nice if it were just true or false? Yes or no, black or white? I can't tell you how many preachers will get tied up in knots trying to prove the resurrection this morning. Eugene Peterson remembers his childhood church one Easter morning when the preacher launched into a sermon on the 13 irrefutable proofs that Jesus rose from the dead. Peterson says what he remembers most about that Easter is not how his faith was strengthened by the sermon, but that it took the preacher an excruciating hour and a half to get through it. (laughs) By which time, Peterson says, nobody much cared anymore. (laughs) I hate to tell you this, but if you came here this morning looking for cold, hard facts, for conclusive proof, I'm afraid you're going to be disappointed. Because if we've got cold, hard facts, Who needs faith? And I have to believe that there's some kind of logic to that. It tells me that maybe the story is so startling, so unexpected, that even 2,000 years later, it's still almost impossible to believe. What we have to say is so out there that the people closest to us, who love us most, who know us best, the people who know Jesus most and love him best, aren't necessarily going to believe it. Because if the dead won't stay dead, what can we count on? If the world is so upside down that lifeless stuff can come back to life, then how are we supposed to live? One theologian says, if you don't find the resurrection hard to believe, you're probably not paying attention. But look what happens next. The very next verse says that Peter got up by himself, went to the tomb, and found it as the women had said. And then he came back, wondering and amazed. I think that says something important that we better not miss. It says that everyone has to see for him or herself. I think you have to see it with your own eyes. I think you have to let it sink into your own heart. You can't take someone's word for it. You have to go and see and experience the empty tomb for yourself. And in my experience, that trip almost always happens at deep dawn. Deep dawn is that moment just before the doctor comes in and says that the the test results aren't good. And maybe there are things that can be done, but there's no promise. At that moment, everything you have been taught to believe about hope is either real or it isn't. Either you believe there's hope or you believe there's nothing but disease. And at that moment, you have to make a choice. Deep dawn is that moment just after you hang up the phone and have to go to the police station to pick up your son or your daughter. At that moment, Either you believe there's hope for the kind of new beginning that Jesus talked about, or else you believe there's nothing but angry rebellion and angry retribution. Deep dawn comes at that moment when you read the words, 
Dear John, or Dear Jane, or We regret to inform you, or I've fallen in love with someone else. At that moment, either you choose to believe that all of life is behind you, or that God has something new, something you cannot even begin to imagine waiting out there on the horizon. Deep Dawn is waking up on Easter morning to the news that war is still raging, that the economy is still stumbling, that the climate is only getting worse, and that violence seems to be absolutely everywhere. At that moment, we have to decide either that we're going to let the darkness cover over us or proclaim again that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. If you're not there yet, if the darkness still feels daunting and light has not yet begun to break, if you're not there yet, it's okay. Belief comes in its own time. Resurrection faith came slowly even to the disciples. But when it comes, it changes everything. Until then, as the two men in dazzling white at the tomb said, remember, remember what he told you. Remember how a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Remember that this is my son, the beloved. Remember that Jesus took little children on his knee, that he taught us to turn the other cheek and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Remember that he made sick people well and mentally ill people sane, and that he fed a multitude with five loaves and two fish. Remember how he demonstrated that greater love has no one, has no one than to lay down one's life for someone else's sin. Remember that the light shines even in the deep dawn. In those moments of deep, deep dawn, when you remember what he taught us, you will know. You will believe. You will be sure that there is hope so strong that not even the grave can contain it. Sisters and brothers, Hear and believe the good news. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.